0: Two incredible uh, offers. There's an offer here that that will will create something in you that everyone, I imagine, would want to be, that you may be blameless and pure and without fault. Raise your hand if that sounds like something you might like in your life. Blamelessness, faultlessness. <laughs> I I'll go for that. And he gives us two things that can make that happen. So if we get those two things down, we'll find ourselves blameless and pure and faultless. I'll go for that. So I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll get back to it. So if you don't have a Bible with you, I want you to follow along. There are Bibles here for the choir. We have special Bibles for the choir today. If you don't have a Bible, if you can't see it. If you, uh, so there are Bibles back there, too. Renee is going at them. If anybody here, anybody raise your hand if you need a Bible in here. I want you to all see the text. It it, uh, helps the learning process if you can see it. I'm going to read it in the NIV. Here we go. Therefore, okay, therefore, we just talked about this road that Jesus took. (laughs) You're getting awfully personal. It's (laughs) Philippians 2.12. Therefore, when you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for. That's right, Levi. So we're pushing back to what we just read. Paul was encouraging unity, encouraging working together. And then he shows how Jesus was a servant. If you want to get along with others, go low. Be a servant. Don't put yourself above them. Put yourself below them. Count them more important than yourself. You can't do that normally. That's too hard to do. But if you go low, if you say, I'm their servant, if you don't have any sense of entitlement, like I deserve better than this. Like the woman who took the picture and put it down on the, on the counter and, uh, at the uh, camera shop and says, sir, I, uh, this doesn't do me justice. And the guy said, woman, you don't want justice. You want mercy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That. So therefore... We're talking about Jesus, and he went the low road of service. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, that's a positive word, isn't it? You have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God, is it is God who works in you to will and to act, according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, world, as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing." But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So in the first chunk, verses 12 and 13, he calls them to obedience. Not only when he's present, but when he's absent. I call this faith based obedience. I I had a father who was very kind, very loving, and it made me want to obey him. He he forgave so easily. I, I it's burnt in my heart how easy it was for him to to forgive me. He was kind. I told you when I messed up the car, he just, he didn't remind me, he never reminded me of it. When I did stupid things, like try to teach him how to run his church, uh, he only had 30 years of experience. And as a a college person at Campus Crusade, I told him how I could do, do better in his church. And when I got into ministry, I thought, hey, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. And I went to him and I said, I was an idiot. I was a fool. I I had any right to say that. I'm so sorry. And he forgave me like he wasn't thinking about it at all. He just wiped out, never brought it up. He was so kind. And so it made me want to obey him. It made me want to be like him. Now, some of you have grown up or are growing up in situations where that isn't the case. It's harder to obey. We can have a faith-based obedience, or we can have a law-based obedience. What's the difference? A law-based obedience says, when are you going get to get it together? When are you going to shape up? I never heard that. And so I, I didn't have a law-based, you know, a policeman. I had a father. Your picture of God will determine whether you have a faith based obedience faith like i believe him i trust him he's he's worthy of my trust i have confidence i can make this happen a law based the law was written where on tablets of stone a new covenant came along and where is the law written now in our hearts it's written here and then god comes and motivates, it says God is at work within you to do two things, both to will and to do. In other words, he gives me a desire. God's working on the motivation inside, and then he's working on the doing. That word doing there is gain from which we get the word energy. God gives us energy. He makes it possible for me to carry it out. And I, that's the way I felt about my dad. I mean, it was so easy. It just seemed so easy. Because he was so kind, I wanted to. I, I didn't want to disappoint them. And our God is at work in you, in the motivation, and in the pulling on. Now, that doesn't wipe out your part. This is a beautiful dance between heaven and earth. God does his part, we're part of the dance. There are some faiths that wipe out your part. As over against the ironclad will of a distant deity, what you do has no significance. Think Muslim, think Allah, inshallah. When I was over in Israel, I'd talk to Arabs, and they would say, inshallah, the will of Allah. And I'd say, well, what if someone took a gun out and shot you, inshallah, will of Allah. Well, prayer means nothing in such a a situation. Faith means nothing. Morality is up for grabs. But with you, you you're in the dance. You take part. You're a participant. You're not passive. And so he calls us to a faith-based obedience. It's based on the mercy system, not the merit system. Or you're not trying to score points because you're behind. What are you going to get together? But because you are so loved and so cared for, you just say, yes, I trust and I obey. But you have a part. See, it doesn't rub you out. You affect heaven. I was reading in Jeremiah last week. And God told Jeremiah, I won't even do this if Moses and Samuel He was so sure that he couldn't even be convinced by those two. What does that say to me? It says something really special, that God can be convinced. God can be moved by you. That's incredible. The creator of the universe, the one who breathes stars into space, he can listen to you. You can move his heart. That makes prayer significant. It's just just not optional. It's just not, not... Like, we can be passive, it's not fate, it's faith. They're close in the dictionary, but they're miles apart. Faith is a whatever will be, will be theology. I don't believe it. Whatever will be, will be? No, whatever will be, will not be. We make a difference. You make a difference. Your obedience today makes a difference in the universe. And it makes a difference to God. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged today that God is moving in my heart. And he's giving me a desire. Didn't he do that for you? Didn't he give you a desire to pray for that person? Didn't he give you a desire, Stephen, to speak to those people? To connect? us, a loving heart to care for this friend. God puts that in you. That's God at work in us. To will and to work for his good pleasure. How encouraging that is. Second thing, okay. This is gonna sound really hard. But if you do it, you'll be blameless and pure. Here's what you do. Don't do any complaining or arguing. Can Can you do it? Do you know what kept the children of Israel out of their destiny? And, and disputing. The same thing. You look in Exodus, these same words in the Septuagint are there. They were complaining, they were murmuring, they were disputing. And God finally said, I've, had a, I'm, I'm, I've listened to enough of your toxic fumes spilling into the air. Now, I, I've never tried this before, but I, I wouldn't mind trying it one day. Just listening, listen to how much complaining there is in the air at work, at school, isn't it it just epidemic? It just comes naturally out of our mouth, and we're in the atmosphere, and so we can pick that up, and so we can find ourselves, yeah, yeah, the weather does stink. Yeah, this place does stink. Yeah, they have problems. Yeah, this issue. And we can find ourselves just spilling out poison, and so Paul says, do all things without. I'd like if we could make that commitment
1: in our heart
0: at Lydia House, people won't hear that. Here. Wouldn't that be nice? At Lydia House, people aren't going to hear any complaints. Not that we're, guard, we're guarded and we, we can't be real and can't tell the truth, but that we're, we're just going to say, you know, I'm not going to be a complainer. I'm not a whiner. I'm not a grumbler. When I, when I have to call and share something with a company, I like to say to them, If if something isn't working right, I like to say, just so you know, I'm not a whiner. This this doesn't even make me comfortable calling you. I want them to know that because I don't whine, and I don't want to be known as a whiner. Paul wasn't a whiner. He gets in prison, for goodness sake. He's beat up. He's in stocks in the back of the prison. I I wonder if I would have been whining. I hope I wouldn't, but I might have been. He was singing hymns. God liked it so much that he rattled the place. God loves it when we change. Here's the sad reality. James says this about the tongue. What does James say about the tongue? Do you remember? It, that, it has that potential. What does he say negative about it in that same passage, Levi? It, yes. It's a deadly poison, and it's set on fire. You said fires with your tongue and no one can tame it. Well, if no one can tame it, I guess we're going to complain. We've got the Holy Spirit within. I wonder if that's why when the first gifts of the Spirit that comes to us is the gift of tongues. Because that, that we're not, we're not speaking the words, we're, we're, we are speaking them out. But the Holy Spirit is giving us the words. You and I can't tame the tongue up. God can. And if you say to God, God, I don't want to complain. I don't want to grumble. I don't want to argue. I had to apologize to Kara. She said something uh, last week. And as soon as she said it, something reacted in me. And I got argumentative with her. But yesterday, I had to say, I'm really sorry. That was." So Stupid of me. I argue. Do I want to win a, a daughter or do I want to win an argument? Do you want to win a friend or do you want to win an argument? Do you want to prove that you're right? Are you so insecure? Am I so insecure that I have to react with my own daughter? I don't want to do that. I don't want to argue. Let them win. They win the fight, you win. So I'm I'm just going to bless you now. I'm not done with the sermon. I'm almost done. I want to bless you that by God's grace, he will take your tongue and he will root out the complaining about your car, about the weather, about the meal, about the food, about the air, about the day, about the boss. I wish I understood this better. I can think of the lady who at Trinity, complained to me about her boss. I identified with her. I said, I'm sorry you have such a terrible boss. You know what the Bible said? Serve. Serve an overbearing boss. If you serve in a right spirit, you have credit in heaven. God is with you. If you have a right attitude and you serve with a loving heart, somebody who's overbearing, it's legal not to complain. And so I bless you I bless your tongue that it not be a complaining tongue. And when you start to complain, I bless you that conviction will come inside of you. And you will say, that's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to live. In school, complaining continually about teachers, about classes, about homework. We don't want to do that. And I bless you, students, that you will not that. You will not criticize your teachers. You will not take up the. You will walk away. Before you will speak. A complaining word. About anyone else. In Jesus name. Amen. If you do that. Listen to what you will be. Shining like stars. I live most of my life. Close to Hollywood. They've got it. Hollywood up on the hill. Hollywood stars, they don't shine. You know one of the big reasons? Is that they don't know how to keep agreements. They don't, the, marriages often break up by, before the end of the first year. Those are the steer, steer, stars that the world is emulating because they have beauty or because they have talent, not because they have character. And they're not pleasing to God. And their mouth shows it. They cannot break agreements. I cannot keep agreements. They break them left and right. And so it means nothing to make a promise. It does to you, doesn't it? It means everything for you to break a promise. So we are the ones that shine as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor for nothing. But even, now listen to this. I want to look at, just cl- in closing now, I want, to, I want to take a sweep of this whole chapter because in this chapter we have four servants. The first servant obviously is whom? Is who? In chapter 2. The first servant that Paul is holding out. Who? Jesus Christ. He's, he's given us an example of Jesus. That's our attitude. Our attitude is like Jesus. He went low. He served. He took the form of a servant. Here's the mission statement of Jesus. The Son of Man came. Finish it. Not to be served. Who gets served? Important people, Right? If you're important, you get served by others. Not to be served, but to serve. Who serves? The lowlier. People that wait on your table. People that bring you things. That's who you are. That's who Jesus was. Not to be served, but to serve. That was his mission statement. That's what he came to do and to give his life. So that's the first example. The second example is Paul. Here's what he says even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He wondered if he was going to die. He didn't think he was going to, but he thought he might. He writes in Philippians 1, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he, he was thinking, maybe death, maybe I won't get out of this prison. He thought he might not make it, but he hoped he would, and he thought with their prayers that he would. But he's thinking now again about death. I may be poured out. This may be it. You may not see me again. It's okay. I rejoice in that. If it's for you. He's giving himself away for them. What a servant. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. I want to be like Paul. And then he tells us about Timothy. Timothy was a servant. This is what he says about him in verse 20. Somebody read verse 20. I have nobody like Timothy. Paul's the father of Timothy, spiritually speaking. And Paul really loved Timothy. When Paul was going to share with somebody that he was about to die, he told Timothy. He wrote to Timothy and he said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. It was Timothy. He felt very close to Timothy. Timothy was his son. Timothy had integrity. He lacked courage. But Paul was 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 commending him now. Saying that everybody else, they look after their own interests. They're concerned about themselves, not Timothy. Timothy is concerned about other people. Wouldn't you want people to say that about you? Wouldn't you want people to say, yeah, he, she really looks out other people. That's what Paul said about Timothy. If you're a Timothy, pray for a Paul. If you're a Paul, look for Timothy. Men and women. One more example. What was the name? Huh? One more servant in chapter 2. Epaphroditus. It's hard to pronounce. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, verse 29, and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. They had sent Paul, I mean, they had sent Epaphroditus to Paul with a gift, they had lost touch with Paul. It had been 10 years, and so they send him this gift, and it meant a lot to Paul. You can receive a gift from somebody, and it it means a lot because it means they're thinking about you. And Paul was encouraged. And now Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to them, and he's telling them to receive him, and that he risked his life. He's a servant. Servants aren't grabbing because they don't have anything to grab. They don't have a salary. They don't have a reputation. They're not trying to aspire to something because they're they're there. They're owned, these servants. They're owned by others. So they don't aspire to something. And when they do something, it says in Luke 17, then they don't get credit for it because it's their duty. We just did what we were supposed to do. That's the quality of life that God calls us to. We don't deserve better. We're willing to be lowly. We're willing to pick up the papers that others don't pick up. We're willing to clean off the the, uh, counter in the public bathroom. We're willing to do things that others don't do. Because we know who we are. And it's not demeaning. Because that's what Jesus did. That's the way he lived. And so Paul is encouraging us. You live that way, and you're going to connect with other people because you're not going to make them feel like you're above them, looking down. There are people like that, aren't there, where you're with them, and you you almost feel put down just by being with them because they f- there's such insecurity that they need to show you how much they know or show you how strong they are show you how... How, how better they are. Do we want to put that kind of pressure on people? We want to, we want to go low and serve them. So let's, let's pray for that as we close. Uh, a couple of you pray, and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. And let's, let's pray for each other, that we can have that kind of outlook, that, that we have an obedience-based faith, that we, we are obedient not because of some external command that's, that's being beat into our heart, but because God is at work within us and he's, he's working it in our heart and it, making it so possible for it to happen. It's wonderful. He's, he's doing it in our heart. And then we're, he's, he's got a hold of our tongue. And so we have a tongue of a servant. So a couple of you pray and I'll pray. Then we're going to have communion together. Yes, indeed. We're so encouraged today that you are at work within us. That you're giving us the desire to do these things. It's not up to us. Our motto is not, we try harder, but we trust more. We're trusting in you to work it in us as we work it out. I bless my friends here, God, that in those areas where they have struggles, where there are issues in their life that, that need to change. We pray that they will not be discouraged and to think that nothing is going to change. It hasn't changed. It won't change. But that you are at work in them and that you can bring about change. pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. I'm going to be meeting with a young man the next couple weeks who shared he had a struggle with, with lust, and I'm going to share two things with him. One is that I used to try to change by looking at my sin, as if concentrating on my sin made it easier to deal with the sin. I really did. I, I looked at that constantly. No, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. Because we're changed by what we see. But we all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed. Sin consciousness does not eradicate sin. Christ consciousness does. And so as we look at Christ, we're changed by what we Behold, And the second thing we're changed by is what we believe. If I believe I'm dirt, I'll live like dirt. And so we need to say, I am not, this is not who I am. This is not who I am. I want to tell him, this is not who you are. You think this is who you are? It's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are the holy and pure Son of the Father, just like Jesus. You are like Jesus. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says you are and as i believe that i'm changed i'm changed by what i believe and what i behold what i look at so hope that's an encouragement we're going to take communion now together you can